is. No, me neither, apparently. This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a wet and cold England. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or heaven help me, causes you to choke on your full English breakfast, please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusaderchannel.com forward slash chat. It is wet, it is cold, but it's time for the early show. And I have on the show today the wonderful Sarah Taylor just to make the show complete. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Fiorella. Great to join you. It's um, We're up above zero again in Cambridge, which is nice. <laughs> it, well, we're fortunately just above zero here because otherwise we would be buried in snow this morning, uh, which I think the children would have appreciated. But this is a busy week. It's panto week. Yes. So uh, <laughs> I'd rather there were no closed roads and stuff like that. And I should, as a, a flag up for the rest of the week, say that I have swapped shows this week with the South Africans. I will be doing Thursday, they will be doing Friday because my children are doing an ice show Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I'm going to be a little bit busy and I'm hopefully going to find somebody to do the second segment on Wednesday for me because uh, ice skating calls yet again. But how have you been, Sarah? It's been a little while. Yeah, it's very busy over here, Fiorella, but it's very nice to join you today. Well, I feel I should explain the photograph in the chat room. That is my advent wreath. Um, I made the mistake... (laughs) of storing it in the shed over the summer months it got a bit warm yes that is why my candles look as if they're drunk or dying um particularly gaudete seems to be suffering yes Um, gaudete sunday candle looks rather crooked but you know fiorella this could be a kind of modern interpretation of an advent wreath uh, it could. I'm trying not to see the crooked Gaudete candle. It's sort of the sagging Gaudete candle is some kind, some kind of symbol of the way things are just at the moment. Um, yeah. <laughs> it strikes me, having set fire to the Advent wreath a few years ago, I, I'm not sure I'm going to risk lighting that candle. I'd rather not have a repeat of, you know, no, um, a house full true. of smoke. It is sagging dangerously towards all that foliage dry Yeah. Hmm. Well, a, well, a friend suggested putting it in warm water to mm-hmm. to try to, but it just meant that it, it turned the water pink and um, oh, yeah, bits of wax started flaking. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure that was really really the best move. I probably got really bad candles. It's very embarrassing as well because the homily uh, this uh, this first Sunday of Advent um, involved the priest talking about how you know we we have lost the art of waiting. You know, we're, we're always in a hurry. Everything has to be now. You know, we shop online so we can have things quickly. And it was pointed out that there were Advent candles on sale in the narthex after mass. But because I'd wanted to get the candles now, the new ones, I'd ordered them online. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, that's interesting. <laughs> there we are. Um, is Maggie saying, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I did say the same thing last year. I don't know what I was thinking. I put the whole wreath in the attic. We got to well over 100 degrees this past summer, so I had to purchase new Advent candles and scrape off the wax from my holder. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm, yes. I'm guessing yours suffered rather worse than mine did in, in that they were, I guess, completely obliterated. Um, <laughs> but yes, I have, a, I have a, 
a love-hate relationship with Advent wreaths. I've never had a great deal of, of luck with them, to be quite honest, but I'm sure this will be beautiful once I've got the candles sorted. Mm. Um, yes, actually, on, on the... Um, oh, it's uh, Maggie saying mine were completely toast. The wax was all over the place. <laughs> oh, my goodness, what a mess. That's like when the water leaks in your luggage or something. Yeah. But worse, probably. <laughs> well, um... A friend came over to visit some time ago and he bought a beautiful box of Belgian chocolates. Mm. But it was still, this was, I say, a few weeks, it was still quite some time back and it was still quite warm. And he'd had it beside him on the train, ah. window side. And by the time it arrived, I mean, it wasn't just that the, the chocolates had melded together, there was just one big puddle of chocolate. It was um, probably bottom. still delicious. You just have to conceptualize it as a different thing <laughs> well it was just the way all, all the different all the different you know insides had sort of you know orange and strawberry and that had all melded together it, it did not look or taste particularly the, the, the thought was lovely and i'm quite glad we didn't open the box yeah while, while the guest was there it was um it was, oh and he said oh no save it for afterwards which i'm kind of glad we did because yes it was yeah. oh, awkward yeah. But yes, it's that time of year again to have a merry and manly Christmas, to take part in the contest and to get yourself tickets to get the chance to win one of over $5,000 worth of prizes. Go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Mary and listen out for the sound bite and call in. There are prizes for everyone. But back to my original question. Do you have Riz? I have no idea. Would you like to? <laughs> I had not come across this word before. Has anyone come across the word Riz or Ritz? I suppose how it might you, be. How do you spell it, Fiona? Well, it's R I double Z. And it's apparently the word, it's, it's the word of 2023. And I don't or, know it. There we go. I'm behind yes. the times here. According <laughs> to the Oxford English Dictionary, Riz is internet slang. For romantic appeal or charm, <laughs> it's mostly used by young That's people. Why I don't know why I don't have it. I've not been using that enough online. Oh dear. Yes, um, <laughs> if you're good at chatting up people or flirting with a potential date, you have Riz. Riz. Um, yes, um, and there were a number of other words here that were flagged. None of which, none of which I had heard of. Um, well, there you, you, go. Have, you, you and I. We need to widen our vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, we're both too old. I mean, has anyone here? Has anyone heard the term beige flag? Beige a noun to be a beige flag. Mm -mm. No. That is a character trait that indicates that a partner or potential partner is boring or lacks originality. Also, a trait or habit of a partner or potential partner viewed as extremely characteristic, but not necessarily good or bad. A beige flag, right? Okay. You talk about having and a red flag. It's a beige you, flag. Well, beige. It makes sense. Beige yeah. is the yeah. colour you would associate with boring, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, Philip said charisma. Yes, Riz is charisma. I think I prefer the word yes. charisma. It's it's yes. sort of I don't know. It feels more all encompassing somehow. Parasocial. Parasocial. Anyone would guess it's an adjective to be um, paras parasocial. Is is a relationship 
characterized as being one-sided and unreciprocated um, because it's usually a relationship of a viewer or fan or follower for a prominent figure. So it's obviously completely one-sided. Okay, these are actually really interesting. Ones. Yes. I'm quite enjoying this little... Hmm. And it, 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 suggests the, it suggests that it, it's the term to suggest a fan who feels falsely that they know a celebrity or an influencer very well. Yeah, that's an don't. interesting concept. I can see why one would need a word for that. Yes, that's parasocial. Mm. Okay. Yeah, but that of course yeah. didn't mm -hmm. used to be uh, a possibility in the same way. Although I, I suppose people did have it from television, but not not to the same extent that you would people, have. Yeah, people did have crushes on celebrities. I mean, it goes back quite a long way. But yes, as you yeah. say, it could not be... I suppose there wasn't the full sense that you were interacting with somebody. Exactly. And they wouldn't necessarily be having daily or weekly updates about what that person is eating for lunch or what kind of shoes. Well, mm. to some extent, I suppose, to some extent, that's what the tabloids have always been for. But yeah, mm. I, I can see how it comes to a new level with social media that's really interesting yeah. i like that word actually well, well, philip, philip is suggesting <laughs> stalker as an alternative which yes, is probably yes, yeah. <laughs> what we used to call it the oldies used to call it yes um yeah oh, denise um um oh, maggie's asking how denise is feeling today a bit sore this morning her physical therapy today also the fun pain pills that require a prescription are just about gone oh maggie, i hope you... you have your new your new hit yes Yes, um, I hope I hope you continue to improve, Denise. Yes, and, and you're saying I must be living in another year, not familiar with Riz. Uh, Maggie's saying I'm far too old for these words. Um, yeah, these are. It's it's the point when you look at the words and you realise you don't know any of them. But then, frankly, my 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 children come out with things all the time. Like if something is cool, it's sick. Yeah, well, I knew that one. That's been around. For why? Oh, that's um, sick. Like I don't know why. <laughs> But that was around that, that that's not so new because I've I've been out of the classroom for ten years. Oh. And that was around when I was teaching for sure. Yeah. Was simp around? Someone is a bit of a simp? No, I don't remember that one. I think that's a like it's like what we would say was wimp. Okay. Giga Chad? No. No. <laughs> no. Um I'm I'm learning these things very slowly. Apparently one of the new words in the shortlist was Swifty. An enthusiastic fan of the singer Taylor Swift. Okay. <laughs> That's actually now a term. Taylor Swift is so well, popular. I, I don't know so many of her enthusiastic fans, so I suppose I don't need the word. <laughs> well, I think the um the only one, the only one of these words that does not have something to do with social media or computers is heat dome. It's a, yeah, it's a new, it's a geographical term. It's um, yeah. a persistent high pressure weather system over a particular geographical area, which traps a mass of hot air below it. So that's actually like quite a sensible term, a heat dome. Yes, I get that. I can get that completely. Yes. Um, and power social. Sorry, I'm, I'm going back to that one because the, <laughs> the prefix power, you know, that that does make sense. Uh, <laughs> it can be something. It looks like that, but it isn't really. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, Maggie's saying, okay, I've actually heard Swifty before, because that's because I have two daughters, right? You're way ahead of me. <laughs> One You're way ahead of, ahead of us. Um, yeah. There's also two of the other words. 
um, which I did find quite um, quite funny. One was prompt, which uh, is a word we already know, but in this this definition, it's an instruction given to an artificial intelligence program or an algorithm, which determines or influences the content it generates. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, which I think is just prompt. I, I, I don't think that's really a new definition somehow. It's just maybe that's a new like application. like an actor from the wings. Yeah, it's like the same word. Like a word to get a particular output kind of thing. Hmm. I, I think that's, that's sort of a word we've, we've used for a long time. It's a different application. Yeah. And um, this used to be called boycott. It's now de-influencing. De-influencing, yeah. that's very interesting. Discouraging yeah. people from buying particular products or of encouraging people to reduce their consumption of material goods. Well, so. de-influencing is a new, a new, um, a new labelling for boycotts, which is also something that's been around for a while before social mm. media. Yeah, um, I suppose. I suppose it may not have the same purpose as boycott. It may be a question of you know trying to discourage overconsumption and things like that. Uh, so you mean boycott is uh, a sort of like a campaigning move against yeah. someone or something? Mm, it has it has slightly more of that that feel to it. It's twenty two minutes past the hour. You are listening to the early show with Fiorella De Maria and Sarah Taylor. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. And it's that time of year to have a merry and manly Christmas, to take part in the contest and buy your tickets and get the chance to win one of over $5,000 worth of prizes. Go to crusadechannel.com forward slash merry. Listen out for the soundbite and call in. I don't know how everyone's been doing over the weekend but I'm curious to know who has won. We are talking about new words of the year, the words of 2023, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. The word of the year is riz. That is a sort of new word for charisma, charm, an ability to flirt, that sort of thing. But moving on from words I will never use, I suspect, Sarah, I don't know about you. Yeah, so it's word of the year. I I thought it would be awarded to a word that people use the most in a particular year but it seems to be brand new words Mm. that we don't know (laughs) a word that was coined this year has become popular this year year. you know I, i don't know um but i thought moving on to things this day is famous for um i thought you'd be curious to know uh sarah that on this day in 1259, the Treaty of Paris was signed between Louis IX of France and Henry III of England to end the Hundred Years' War. Yes. So it ended a hundred years of conflict between France and England temporarily. Yes. Well, conflict with our very dear French neighbours uh, is somewhat of a tradition on both sides, we have to say. Yeah. <laughs> I've recently started reading the Sharp series. Oh, yes. And I, I couldn't have, I immediately laughed. Um, the, the, the prequel, in fact, is not set in France, it's set in um, India. It's about the, to the early days of the Raj. And But there is a French general who's helping the uh, the of main Indian resistance, as it were, to try to stop British influence in India. And I immediately thought of your brother reading Sharp in reading the Sharp series in France. Yeah. (laughs) Do you want to tell the listeners about the Sharp 
series uh well i have reviewed it um i've oh, reviewed a couple of the sharp no- uh, novels because uh, i really like them actually they are really really good books I've, re- I've reviewed a few of them on the furella files but they are very much napoleonic wars english soldier battering the french the french yeah, are always on the receiving end <laughs> Um, but, uh, so, and, and you always know who's going to lose in the end. Yes, that would be the French. It's yeah. an English novel. <laughs> yes, but let's face it, they, they did lose. They, they did lose the Napoleonic Wars, didn't they? <laughs> yes. Don't say it, Sarah. They lost the Napoleonic Wars. Um, and <laughs> you know, I once took my youngest sibling to visit the um, the military museum in Paris, <laughs> and part of your ticket when you visit that museum, it's you know, like you're in a one-way system going all around the museum. And part of the one-way tour is that you go through the mausoleum and past, you sort of process past Napoleon's final resting place. Okay. And it was when we were in the mausoleum, surrounded by reverential French people, that my youngest sibling turned to me in English and said, well, but you know, Sarah... I know why Napoleon lost. He lost and the English won because, you know, he just made some mistakes and he started launching into his opinion on Napoleon's tactical mistakes. He was about seven years old. Yeah, I, I can think of worse things. Yeah. I, 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 I can think of worse Yes, I can think of worse things he could have said, actually, about Napoleon in that particular moment. I think he got off fairly lightly under the circumstances. I, I, I was reasonably embarrassed. In Paris, you might assume that people do actually speak English, and this little seven-year-old is holding forth about all of Napoleon's mistakes at his grave, you know. Well, when it comes to, when it comes to historical, you know, memorialising, it's... It's quite interesting because on this day it was also in 1586 was the day that Mary Queen of Scots was uh, condemned to death. She had yeah. the death sentence was, was passed against her. Yeah. Um, but it's it's also the anniversary. Of course, she's a hugely divisive figure. I mean, Catholics tend to be a little bit more sympathetic towards her, shall we say? Um, but on this day in 1865 was the birth of Edith Cavell. Ah, right. yes, she's an, uh, a very interesting lady. Mm. Now, um, I don't know how familiar American listeners are with Edith Cavell, but of course she's a, a big character over here, and I should think probably also in Belgium, because she was a British nurse who was shot by the Germans during the First World War for helping Allied prisoners to escape. And it's regarded as the worst tactical error that the Germans ever made was shooting Edith Cavell because from a propaganda point of view, it was like the bloody Hun shooting a nurse, Florence Nightingale up against a wall. I mean, the, the British press had a field day with this. But what I find funny with my little sort of semi, semi kind of feminist hat on is that she was, if she was born in 1856, she was a mature woman yeah. By the time of the First World War, she was in late middle age by the First World War. She was a very senior nurse. She was probably a matron. Yeah. And you didn't get that senior in nursing in Britain unless you were a really tough cookie. You know, Correct. And we you can know. tell by her life that she was. And I think they accused her of being a spy. And mm-hmm. I believe they were, in fact, correct. Yes. yes. She was spying and she was also helping uh, English servicemen behind 
German lines, uh, which we applaud her for, but they weren't wrong to say that she was a spy. She was, brave lady. Yeah, um, she, she, she was a spy. She was a spy and she was helping Allied soldiers escape. And she, yeah, she was working as, as an agent. Um, absolutely. But if you see the way she's portrayed and sort of sketches, and, stuff, and even yeah. the statue in Trafalgar Square, I used to salute it every time I yes. went past. There she was, Edith Cavell, courage, um, honour and all of the rest. Um, There's a huge memorial to her. She looks about 20 and she looks sort of, she's got, she's the classic sort of angelic nurse. And apparently when they unveiled the memorial, one of her close associates was there and he said, dear God, they shot the, they shot the wrong woman. Um, <laughs> and she, the way, the way they described her is that she swooned before the firing squad and you was shot dead as she collapsed on the floor. I don't believe for a second she did that. You no. Know. And um, I can see how it sort of played to British propaganda at the time, that mm. she was just an innocent young nurse who mm. could possibly ever mean any harm to anyone because that would be just the most dastardly, uh, you know, view possible. I mean, not, not that I, I don't, obviously, I'm not happy that she was shot, but uh, as you said, she was, in fact, a very senior nursing figure and she was, in fact, a spy. Mm. She knew what she was doing. She knew she was taking a risk. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 No, she, she knew what she was doing. She, she, knew, she knew she was taking a risk. And, you know, she was extremely courageous. I have huge respect and admiration for Edith Cavell. But I just find it interesting that she had to be portrayed as this little slip of a thing, um, you know, who, who swooned before the firing squad. I bet she would have been mortified if she'd been portrayed that way. Yes. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I suspect she's she was a pretty courageous character. Now, Doctor Torres, I have a bone to pick with you, as usual. Um, speaking of Dr. words, Torres, what happened now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> speaking of just the genteel and demure Sarah Taylor, I know that Fiorella Files refer <laughs> to someone as a bastard. That's right. The king uh, dude asked me to mark the day. It was December the 1st. Next <laughs> thing you know, she'll be using bloody and bollocks like a Saturday night pub-going bloke. And just a minute, I did not refer to a person as a bastard. I was referring to a book title. Ah. It was Our Magnificent Bastard Tongue. Right. Uh-huh. There. It's That's the title. An distinction. Yes, I did not refer to a person as a bastard. I referred to the English language in quotes as Professor McWhorter described it. Just saying. Okay. That's funny. I'm also laughing, though, actually on the back of the Edith Cavell uh, discussion, because there was one time, this was a long time ago, but a friend had arranged a friend of theirs to give me a lift to London after some event or party or something. And he was with his wife in the front seat. And I think one of them, I think maybe it was the wife said to the husband, oh, our friend warned us, don't swear in front of Sarah because she won't like it. Oh, no, it was that side. It was the driver. It was the man. Oh, I was warned. No, we, we mustn't swear in front of, she- uh, of Sarah because, you know, <laughs> she'll be really shocked. And then his wife looked at him and was like, you know, Sarah is a teacher in a boys' yeah. secondary school in London. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think she's going to be shocked, <laughs> which was completely true. Not choosing to swear myself is an entirely separate issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny that because um, there was a there was a quite a charming. Um, 
uh, sort of tragic comedy years ago called Over Here about the, yeah, the, um, the GIs. Yeah, the GIs arriving. It's very, very, yeah. very funny, yeah. It's, it's very funny, but also quite poignant. It's about the GIs arriving in Britain mm-hmm. and about the sense over here, you know, over, overpaid, oversexed and over here. And about the but sort of know, love I just paid. want to say it's gentle humour. It's not, I, yeah. I didn't, I don't think it's anti-American. It's just a gentle sending up of the wartime. And yes, I mean yeah. it's, it's not sort of punch ups and bars and things like that. It's it's yeah. about sort of the love hate relationship between an RAF squadron leader and, a, and an American. And we'll come back to that just after the ad break. We're going to an ad break now because you're listening to the early show with Fiorella De Maria and Sarah Taylor. Our call in telephone number is eight four four five two seven eight seven two three. That's eight four four five two seven eight seven two three. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Do talk to us. Do join the conversation. We'll return in a few moments here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. smile her smile can bring you near to me don't ever let me find you gone cause that would bring a tear to me this world has lost its glory let's start a brand new story now my love Right now, there'll be no other time And I can show you how My love Talk in everlasting words And dedicate them all Good morning, all you early risers and insomniacs and those of you catching the show's rebroadcast at midday. For those of you just joining us, you are listening to The Early Show with your hostess from across the pond, Fiorella De Maria, and my wonderful guest, Sarah Taylor. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat do talk to me do join the conversation as you enjoy a hearty breakfast to celebrate a monday morning i have on the show with me today the wonderful sarah taylor good morning good morning fiorella great to be with you this morning i don't suppose you recognize that song did you no i'm not good at recognizing songs <laughs> no i didn't get to sort of slightly lose the will to live kind of a song um i always fail on song recognition and celebrity recognition you don't want me in your team for the quiz for that part 
<laughs> no, don't worry. At least it wasn't a song about a cake melting in the rain. Um, or a candle was... melting in the shed. I'm surprised, you know, I'm surprised that Mike didn't think of candle in the wind. Oh, yes. As a, as a <laughs> candle in the shed. Yes. Um, it is that time of year to have a merry and manly Christmas. To take part in the contest and get the chance to win one of over $5,000 worth of prizes, please go to crusadechannel.com forward slash merry. Listen out for the soundbite and call in. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast. Same day from crusademax.com. And we have been chatting away today about all sorts of things um my unfortunate uh, error of judgment with my advent candles and various historical events of the day the end of the hundred years war uh, the sentencing to death of mary queen of scots and the birth of the heroic nurse of the first world war edith cavell uh, we somehow ended up on the subject of polite language um, and uh, Dr. Torres is saying, yes, Dr. Torres um, <laughs> saying, fair enough. I'm sure you've referred to Christopher Hitchens with less than polite language or Mel Gibson. I don't know if I did call Mel Gibson a lying bastard, but I didn't think I had. Um, but, uh, I, pro I probably haven't been desperately polite. I, I'm a sailing a bit close to the wind on that one. Um, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, yes, Maggie, it's a crappy song anyway words by the bgs because we were also talking about words all oh, right okay. if it had come to the last line i would have recognized it we didn't get okay. far enough into the song that's my excuse yes, <laughs> yes the king <laughs> says, words okay because the the word of the year according to the oxford english dictionary is riz which none of us have heard of um and somehow we sort of morphed into a conversation into new words we don't understand into bad words yes we we ended the first segment we're we talking about the um the tragic comedy over here about the gis arriving in britain yes um, and their relationship with they're on the say they're sharing a base with a an raf squadron that's the big joke the u.s air force and raf and that's they have all these pull all these pranks on each other and things like that but there's a very funny scene and it's it's timed perfectly where it keeps cutting between the americans being given a talking to about british manners and how not to offend british people a lot of them have never never been to britain before and the way the brits are behaving in the room next door <laughs> and there's been a party the night before it's all yes. and they've completely trashed the place basically and so this um th there's the senior officer the american officer is saying there are certain words that brits use that are rude which are not rude in the u.s like for example you would never use the word sod because it's rude in britain and you never use the word bloody because that is also extremely rude come on boys you never say those two words and in the next room it's like oh what a bloody mess oh the drunken sods um and you, just, you know reality versus the way everyone thinks the brits behave um so, uh, well, so i guess yes. they're being consciously rude next door <laughs> 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 it's one of my favourite scenes, and in a, in a very, yeah. very funny, very funny, but also quite sad, uh, sad uh, drama. But anyway, um, moving swiftly on, it is National Sock Day. Oh gosh, that's yes, one of the less inspiring of the. <laughs> I don't know, you see, because Same I thought. See, I think socks have a magical power. For a start, one of them always gets missing. 
That's know, the truth. They do have this ability to disappear in ones, yeah. not in pairs. Always in ones. They never go walk about as a pair, unless, of course, you just don't notice. Mm. Yes, yeah, because you don't have the odd one. <laughs> yeah, so I think there's a lot of sort of sock divorce goes on. Um, <laughs> personally, I think there's a lot of trouble in the sock world. Um, but I also, I don't know. We use socks all the time. We wear socks all the time. Where would our lives be without socks? Think how uncomfortable we'd be. There's a Scottish song about where would you be if you didn't have your wellies. It's uh, coming to mind. <laughs> OK, well, you know, it's a similar idea. In fact, I was thinking, because yeah. you were talking about over here and all of the rest. Um, but we once watched, um, just to give viewers a bit of a, listeners a, a bit of background. During the early years of my marriage, when my husband used to have to travel a lot, I used to organise girls' nights in. I'd invite single female friends over and we'd have a Domino's delivery and we'd watch a silly film and then we'd have hot chocolate and marshmallows. Remember those days, Sarah? Oh, those house that was fun. Yes. Yeah. Back in the days when my children were young enough to go to bed at seven. Your oldest two were very little and, yes, yeah, they were in bed and asleep before yeah. the film ever began. <laughs> yeah. And one time we watched the film called Mrs Pettigrew's Day Off and it's about a, a woman who's just been sacked for the umpteenth time from her job as a nanny she's a useless nanny and she <laughs> it's, it's just before the, you know, the war is just about to be declared you know they're all preparing her sandbags everywhere and things in london is going into lockdown basically in preparation for what they know is going to be a, a very long drawn out war and she makes friends with a fashion designer who designs ladies lingerie and she sa he says, you know, his part of the war effort, he's going to go back to designing socks because socks are important and a remarkable amount of engineering goes into creating a good British sock. Wow. That's yeah. a very impressive cultural reference for National Sock Day. Indeed. Um, yes. And I have to admit that I have no memory whatsoever of this film. I do remember coming to your house for these evenings. That's so funny what you, you retain and don't retain. You will remember the film when I tell you that the glamorous 1930s heroine is called Delicia and her real name is Sarah Grubb. Okay. And you were deeply offended that she has What's a problem I with being you? called Sarah. I remember saying, you're saying there's nothing wrong with being called Sarah. And I was saying, yes, there's a lot wrong with being called Grub, let's face it. There we are. And you can't remember that either. There we it's oh, I've forgotten the offence by now, but that is very funny. Fiona. Thank you for reminding me. Um, Denise M in the chat room saying, uh, getting more inquiries about the knee. With so many prayers, it's getting better, albeit slowly painful this morning. But I'm sitting comfortably with eyes on it at the moment um that's lovely i'm, I'm just glad you're, you know, you're slowly slowly recovering i know it does take a long time um moving swiftly on okay socks do not seem to be inspiring it's also wear brown day but i don't i don't wear brown i don't like brown it's not my color do you wear brown sarah it, it, it seems to me to be an uninspired it's a bit like beige flag for me it would be brown flag yeah there was a there was, there's a school in London, a Catholic school in central London, whose uniform at least used to be brown. Girls' Catholic school. Yeah. And um, it wasn't very popular. No, our, our, our school uniform was brown. That's probably why I hate the colour so much. Yeah. It was obviously a kind of Catholic it's, girls' school thing. It's not a nice colour to choose. Do you think they did it deliberately? Well, no, I think what it was was I think they redesigned the uniform in the early 70s. And brown... So, 
in in the brown sun. was in and the shirt was orange oh gosh that's very 70s yes uh, or, can you can you imagine an orange blouse and a brown skirt oh, and brown oh. tights and brown shoes and a brown jumper sweater and a brown blazer nobody looks good in brown it's no why (laughs) it was horrible fortunately we dodged a bullet because they changed the blouse from orange to green i believe it's not the green was an improvement oh gosh it was they kept the brown brown a long time i was just going into sixth form that's age 16 15 in my case um when they finally changed the uniform but yes. it was it was beyond horrible. It is a dowdy colour somehow. Now, of course, I think a lot of uniforms have re- relatively dark colours as their basis because they're easy to clean. They don't show, you know, the mess so much. So black, grey is quite common, but brown? What do you do? Yes, I suppose that's one thing to be said for darker colours. We had blue, and I like the colour blue. Actually, that's my favourite colour. But also blue is just, it looks reasonably nice. It looks reasonably smart on most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think blue is a great one. I suppose everybody, every school can't have the same colour. Mm-hmm. And they don't have school uniforms in the States, I believe. Or maybe- no, this is a particularly British thing. And just, just to clarify, it's got nothing to do with militarism. It's, it dates back. It's not even as old a tradition as you would think. Well, uh, no, in schools. in my state primary school in the 1980s, there was no school uniform when I started. That was only introduced in the late 80s. Mm. Well, that is quite low. We had a uniform. But uh-huh. um, in fact, most, I mean, public schools, uh, pr- private schools, I mean, the old, the old private boarding schools had uniforms, which is why you still have these really bonkers uniforms, like Eton has the full dress coat and oh yes, or Christ, Christ Hospital, Hospital looks like Halloween. Yes, you know? that's a very well known one. It's sixteenth or seventeenth century, I think. Yes, there's there's a, there's a school called Christ Hospital School over here, and they have yellow socks, knee socks, mustard yellow, mustard yellow, and apparently it was to, it was to scare away the rats. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that, that's the origin of the yellow socks. So for National Sock Day, there's a nice little bit of sock history for you. Um, I'm very impressed with the depth of National Sock Day. I didn't think we would be able to mine so much. <laughs> well done. It's amazing you what you can learn about it. Yes. <laughs> my head is full of useless information. But it's, most schools did not have uniforms. I mean, your local village school, girls you know, girls wore pinafore dresses and boys just wore their, wore their shorts. You, know, you wore, you wore your, your best clothes usually for, for yeah. school, but you didn't have uniforms. It was only really about a hundred years ago. It was because of sports fixtures. Uh-huh. It was schools playing each other, and they, so they wanted to have sports colours. And so the sports colours then sort of became the school colours, and then became the uniforms. So that makes yes. a lot of sense. Yes, on mm. the playing field, you need to be able to see who's in your team. <laughs> yes, and when you're cheering, you know you want to know who they're. Um, Dr. Yeah. Torres is saying brown, orange, green, burgundy, red. All these colours were popular in the 70s. I had a Sunday school teacher in his 60s, and he was still sporting his 1970s era suits, ugliest oh. polyester things you ever <laughs> saw. And he wore hush puppy shoes. Do you know we wore hush puppies? So did I. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was either hush puppies or penny loafers. That's funny. But um, it's very funny what happened in the 70s. At the time, people must have thought it looked good. But, but who thought? I mean, I've said this I before know. and I, I still cringe. It's like, like a my, sort of collective folly. 
it's just but but what was I, I know i've said this before but i still have the photograph of myself with my parents when we first settled in england it was like our oh, first photograph together i'm in my best dress and it's a knitted brown cream and orange dress it's obviously some hand-me-down from yeah. an older child and it's and that's my best clothes brown <laughs> cream and orange who thought that went together um yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry don't get that off my chest it still hurts all these years oh, later yeah. um, <laughs> denny's denny's saying some people have a hard time giving up a certain style because they think they look good in it well i think there, there is a point there because yeah. i mean sometimes they just don't it's so someone needs to tell them but sometimes you just happen to finally discover that the fashion suits you for the first time in your life like have you noticed women having these sort of small caterpillars stuck over their eyes? That big fat eyebrows is really in. No, I haven't. Yeah, yeah. and it mostly oh, I'm looks in such a geeky little bubble in Cambridge, Fiorella. Honestly, <laughs> the things that pass me by. <laughs> His great big long eyelashes and very, very fat, thick eyebrows are really in vogue. And frankly, they mostly look ridiculous and very white faces. They yeah. just look wrong. But you see, I do have very long eyelashes and thick eyebrows because I'm a Latin. And when I was a child, this was just not cool at all. A lot of girls plucked their eyebrows. I didn't like doing it. I didn't do it. Finally, for the first time in my life, my face is fashionable. You yeah. know, this is really exciting. Well, I've often consoled myself that my white, 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 white skin, which was deeply uncool when I was a teenager in the 90s, um, would have been very fashionable in the 18th century. Well, it would mean that you didn't have to work outside in the fields. You well, right up, right up into the yeah, right up into the 1920s. Yeah, that was the case. You've got Coco Chanel to, to thank for that change. Well, yeah. So when I was a teenager, it was deeply uncool because it meant quite correctly that I didn't go to places like the Seychelles and Bermuda <laughs> and whatnot for my holidays. Oh, I see. Oh, that was, yes, because that was what Coco Chanel did. You see, she changed because in the past, having a suntan meant that you worked out of doors. You met, you worked in the fields. Therefore, you know, this was you were poor. Whereas Coco Chanel changed it. She'd no, I am, I am wealthy. Therefore, look, I'm sunbathing. Um, and that was yeah. she was the one who made popular the idea of sunbathing and tanning and things. So all those those thousands of cases of skin cancer are all Coco Chanel's fault. Thanks, um, Coco Chanel. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, Philip saying, I didn't know rats didn't like mustard. Well, they, someone obviously worked out that colour really put off rats. I don't know. I mean, if you have a rat problem, it might be worth hanging up a few mustard yellow hankies about the place just yeah, to see so if you like keeps... to try that for us for National Sock Day. Yeah. Um, someone with rats at home. <laughs> well, I'm sure people like Jacqueline who have farms, they must have rat problems because all farms yeah. seem to have them. So I don't know. I would be interested to know if it still works or whether they just made a guess. Um Dr. Torres, I'm aiming for the bushy brow. Well, that's <laughs> great. Oh, Paul. Oh, oh, oh. It, that photograph offends everything. The 70s were like World War One, where technology and outpaced tactics. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it, actually, yes. <laughs> Um, it's true. Uh, it's like wow, polyester. Wow, we've got all these synthetic fabrics. Yay! Um, what do we do with them? We make really awful shirts. Um, yeah, you know, brown um, shirts. Uh, yeah. bushy brow, orthopedic shoes, and Harry Carey glasses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think, gosh, yes. I just 
Here we are. Oh, here he is. That yes, the the big glasses are definitely back. It's not even seventies glasses; it's fifties style glasses. I don't know if you noticed the horn rim, rimmed spectacles. Yeah, those, all back. those are those are definitely in. Um, it's interesting, Denise's comments. That I'm just reflecting on that. Maybe somebody sort of gained their own self confidence for the first time in the seventies, and it just happened to be in that period of history when they started, you know, feeling confident about themselves and so mm. it's stuck with these brown and orange clothing yeah. I, mean, I think i think also that you know perhaps that the fashion that was in when you were a teenager kind of sticks in your mind as what fashion is because that's when yes. fashion probably mattered to you the most um, yes, i found it i found it really difficult when i had to buy myself a new um new, some new glasses some new, new frames and i had not bought glasses for years because i used contact lenses you know, you have to have a spare pair and all of the rest. And when I first started having to wear glasses as a teenager, I had these great big plastic NHS specs. You, you can get um, you could get free glasses on the NHS, but they weren't terribly nice. They were just the, whatever was available. And of course, plastic glasses were really not in at the time. It was no, really, these really. Were the free ones. Yes. I had the same as a child. Those yeah. were your parents haven't spent any money. And, you know, so it's not the cool kind. <laughs> yeah, the fashionable ones were little wire ones, little steel-rimmed yeah. ones, that you know, Gucci and all of the rest. And so I was bullied mercilessly for having these great big plastic glasses. I absolutely hated them. So fast forward the years and big plastic glasses are suddenly back in again. Back in, oh, yes. All the time. Yeah. I kept looking for little wire glasses and I couldn't find any. Yeah. And eventually I just had to concede that... This just was not the way people wore their glasses anymore. And the glasses I ended up buying looked very, very similar to my first ever pair of glasses. And I could still hear, ew, nice glasses. Oh, my gosh, you look ridiculous. Um, but that's what everyone's wearing. So suddenly I'm fashionable yeah. when I was a geek years ago. Um, that's so funny, Fiona. I had almost exactly the same experience just about a year ago. Um, my eyesight just deteriorated slightly that I need them now for reading the screen. Otherwise, I haven't needed them since I was a child because I was very unfortunate, uh, rather very fortunate. My eyes just self-corrected as I grew. Right. That's just a really lucky thing. Um, but the same, I was looking for these little gold wire types. Yeah. The really fashionable ones when you and I were young. And mm. the salesperson said, no, no, no definitely don't choose those only old people wear those yeah it's right. completely and yet it, it does stick in your mind the fashion you remember from when you were young is what stays in your mind as that is fashionable poor denise is saying i'm getting nauseous okay so should we, yes, let's stop the photo the 1970s photographs shall we just it was obviously a very traumatic time Forty sarah and i don't remember the 70s so um so we we, we dodged a bullet there um we just had the we just had day. the dregs yeah we just had the hand-me-downs didn't we um yes well, the other the other celebratory day you mentioned, or the memorial of today, was Mary Queen of Scots. Indeed, um, that was reminding me that I had a really lovely visit to Holyrood Palace. Mm -hmm. It was pandemic. I used to go up to Edinburgh for work sometimes, um, and that's super interesting. You get an audio guide with actually different members of the royal family. They've recorded mm. different parts of the audio mm. guide and kind of saying their own thoughts about the different parts of the palace and memories they have of what's happened there, which is really, really interesting. Um, wow. But the, the oldest part is also where Mary, Queen of Scots, was at some point. So, 
yeah super interesting i recommend it if anyone ever goes to edinburgh Holy rude. I, I, do you know, I've been to Edinburgh. I've never sort of had the chance to do a lot of sightseeing. I did, however, go to Carberry Tower uh, once up in Scotland uh, just for, for a pro-life conference, as it happens. And that was where um, I think Mary Queen of Scots stayed shortly after she was arrested. I think she was held there briefly. Yeah. Um, and it's a beautiful, very well-kept tower. But because it's one of the less famous ones, it's still used as a conference centre and things oh, like that. So, so That's really nice. Yes. I did enjoy what there's a, there a big staircase. I did enjoy sweeping down the staircase, you know, yeah. imagining that red-headed queen. Um, it's a pity because she's never really depicted... She's either depicted badly or she's depicted inaccurately. And there was the later, the, the film recently about... Well, recently, a few years ago, about Mary Queen of Scots. And historians pointed out that virtually everything about it is wrong she would not have spoken with a scottish accent she would have spoken with a french accent because she was brought up in france um she never met elizabeth i in person they, they never actually had an encounter uh which is incredible it's such a shame because it would have wonderful cinematic power which is why they just make it up and yes even the wonderful strap line elizabeth was born to rule mary was born to fight doesn't really work either because it no. was sort of not quite that way round. But she's, she's no. such a romantic figure. I mean, historians love to point out that films like that are incorrect from start to finish. And filmmakers love to ignore historians because they're just trying to have thumbs on seats and sell sell the film, aren't they? So. Mm. Well, a, a friend of mine who's um, she's a an expert in Japanese history gave the funniest comment once about a film that's got completely messed up by Hollywood. And that's the film, The Last Samurai. I don't know if you've seen it. It's stunning film. I I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's quite gory in places, but incredible the way it evokes that particular period of Japanese history. Um, But I asked, because it seems, you know, it felt believable somehow, but I don't know anything about Japanese history. So I asked this friend who's an expert, I said, you know, how accurate was it? And she said, well, my dear, it's a bit like this. And she talks like that. Wonderful character. <laughs> well, it seemed to me when I watched it that the team had really done their homework. They'd done their research. It was really very, very good. And then two fat men smoking cigars walked in. <laughs> <laughs> that was a characterization. They don't know how two fat men with cigars walked in and messed about with it. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Aaron Akeem was saying browns and oranges were big in the 70s because of the hippie movement, which was all about communing with nature. Earth tones became popular. Uh, uh-huh. I didn't even know that. So there we go. That's thing. why. Um, Aaron Akeem was saying the worst I've seen was a burnt orange. <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, the word shag means something completely different in British English. Sorry, this me being being um. Uh, being, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I know what that means. Yeah, yes, an orange, an or- a burnt orange carpet just right. sounds. Mind you, no, I think I can actually go one worse than that, Aaron. Um, in the first ever house we inhabited on the housing estate, God forgot, the walls were brown. Oh my goodness! Someone had actually painted the walls chocolate brown. <laughs> it was one of the first things my parents did was to paint over the brown, which was not easy. No. Uh, it's not an easy colour to paint over, they discovered. You needed an awful lot of coats of paint. Um, 
Yes, uh, Tom Cruise was the last samurai, said the King Dude. Absolutely. Dr. Torres, okay, no, no, I see, I see what you're saying. It's not just Mel Gibson. Check your bias. No, it's not just Mel Gibson who messes up historical. But my, please bear in mind, I'm also a huge pedant. Um, I'm the uh, sort of person who, you know, who who um, ruins the film when, when we go to the cinema. We don't watch historical films in the cinema because I say they never said that. They never said that. I will not be hung for another man's crime. You will not be hanged for another man's crime. Let me ruin the dramatic moment in court. Um, Yes, I'm a bit of a pedant, as you can see, but but yes, it is true. It's not just Mel Gibson. It's just with Mel Gibson, it's blatant. He does it on purpose. Anyway, sorry. Okay, okay. Denise M, right on. I was a hippie back then. Oh, Denise, wow. Have you any photographs of yourself in brown and orange, Denise? Don't feel you have to share. Your clothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, is, it is sometimes funny when you, you see, I don't know if you ever had the experience of seeing photographs of your parents when they were very young in the fashion of the time. Yes. Uh, bell bottom oh. jeans. Yeah. It's, oh, the hair. It's usually, it's usually the hair that's the issue and the makeup. Yes. Mm. I think you showed a picture of one of your sisters mm. and it was just very, very 80s. Yes. Mm. Big, big hair. Enormous yep. amounts of eyeshadow. That was yep. 80s, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It was, the, it was the perm particularly, yes. Yeah. Um, no, it was... I think, what was it? Um, oh, I tell you what, it, it was watching a film that was made in the 80s. So it was it was sort of our, our childhood, but it wasn't the sort of film we would have watched as children. And the thing I really noticed is all the women are trying to look like Princess Diana. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. she was such a fashion icon. I said people yeah. didn't notice at the time, but they, you know, they had that sort of the fluffy hair mm -hmm. and, the, and the makeup, so the eye makeup. Yeah, and the, and the jewelry. blue eyeshadow, that's, that is quite Princess Diana, yeah. Yeah, Erin um, Akeem said, Mel Gibson based his movie off Randall Wallace's story, which took liberties with the truth. OK, um, Philip is saying apparently the new Napoleon movie is not very accurate either. I haven't, ah, have you seen the new Napoleon film? No, I haven't. It's quite controversial in France. I would imagine it's not completely accurate for all the reasons we've just said, because you've got to try to convey drama and crowd pleasing and everything in in 90 minutes which can't really usually do you know proper justice to the actual facts um <laughs> well i just remembered a, a snoopy um uh, you know what the way snoopy's always on top of his his dog kennel typing typing yeah. his epics and he's he's typing a napoleonic epic and he types <laughs> don't get blown apart bone apart said josephine <laughs> And he says, well, she might have said that. <laughs> um, why is it controversial in France? Sorry? Why is it controversial? Is it just because it's not accurate or because of... Um, I mean, I probably need to follow it more closely. But I mean, because he's still a very important figure in France, even mm -hmm. though he was a dictator and he did true invade most of Europe and he did take them into a war, there are many negatives, but he's still... And lost... Yes, and he lost. <laughs> Nevertheless... And was murdered by his wallpaper. Sorry, carry on. He is still a great French leader in some respects, I think. And then it wasn't a French film, so that's always, you know, we're starting off on a slightly dicey footing, aren't we? Yeah, OK, <laughs> It's like enough. a French company were to make a film about George Washington or something, you know. You're already going to start off feeling a little sensitive, perhaps. This um, is true. 
I, I get it. I get it. It's ten past the hour. You're listening to the early show with your host, Espirella de Maria. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. Believe it or not, we're talking about Napoleon. I don't know how we got here, but we are talking about Napoleon. Um, Oh, Denise is saying, I can recall one outfit from then, but I have no idea where the photo proof might be. Aha, I bet it's buried somewhere. Um, the King Dude saying, Victor Davis Hansen, a historian, watched Napoleon. He said it was awful. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I think I we should watch it, Fiorella, and then we can review it on another Episode. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe when you're doing one of your one of your visits, we'll have a, yes. a cinema. You know, we'll have we'll, we'll yeah. get some, we'll, we'll get the popcorn maker out. Yeah, um, that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Philip is saying, "I love the Last Samurai," which I figured was not very accurate, but a cool story. It's so it's got some wonderful moments. It's got Billy Connolly um, playing the Scotsman. Okay, I need to put that one on my watch list as well. Yeah. It did have very good reviews when it came out the last mm. Samurai. Yes, it, and it's it's interesting because it sort of also showed something of the renewed interest in Japan um, in the West, the fact that the film was made and made about that really crucial moment in Japanese history. Erin um, Akima, fair point. History, history movies are hardly ever accurate. They want to get people to watch and don't, don't think the real story is compelling enough. I think the problem is that most people do take it as facts. Do yeah. take historical films as fact, which does rather drive me crazy. I think if people can watch a film and say, okay, it's just, it's an interpretation, it's a bit of entertainment and leave it at that. I think you've um, got to realise that it's entertainment, it's not a documentary. Mm. Um, um, yeah. I, I suppose it's because I'm seeing so much now with period dramas in particular, where they're planting ideologies to give the impression that things were very different. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's yeah. what's bothering me so much. They give a completely false impression of the way things were, even, say, 30, 40 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's completely, that's not just inaccurate, it's just it's just deliberate. Maggie, wow, speaking of parents in their old clothes and styles, here are my parents on their wedding day. Oh, yeah. that is a nice photo, Maggie. It's beautiful. It's lovely. Yeah, check out my father's touch. Is really lovely, you know, and timeless. I think that dress is is nice in any era. Yes, that's beautiful. Oh, um, Philip is saying I did watch Grave of the Fireflies. I'll call to discuss tomorrow. Please do. Yes, because I was asking whether it would be suitable for my children. It's an anime that mm -hmm. my children want to watch. That would be absolutely great. Um, oh. Brian is uh, Brian K saying the worst thing about the Napoleon movie is was leaving out when he conquered San Dimas in California. Okay, <laughs> what is that? Oh, that's I thought you were going to say that was the best bit that they added in. <laughs> um, I mean, he sort of looks the part, the actor, yeah. but it's a bit more than that, isn't it? Um, oh well, so we'll have to let's, let's watch it and then we can have a sort of filmy night kind of things uh good morning tony b greetings oh wow that's a beautiful photo the lovely wedding photos now what i find oh, interesting lovely. what i find interesting is that wedding photos don't change that much no just, i mean they're definitely worse styles i mean in the 80s they talk about meringue dresses don't they yes because of prince, again that was because of the royal weddings in the 80s with princess diana's I dress suppose going back to maggie's it definitely is 70s you could pinpoint it i think it's the um yeah the bow tie the tuxedo cake maybe mm. <laughs> um that definitely you'd say 70s but the other one yeah that could be from many eras 
Yes, it's, I mean, yes, definitely there are styles. And I mean, I found, yes, because the big meringue dresses of the 80s, um, they were very influenced by people like Princess Diana and Sarah Ferguson and people like that. You had a, you had a series of royal weddings in the 80s, so the big princess dresses were really in. Whereas it's quite noticeable that when Kate Middleton got married, she had a much simpler white dress. I mean, she looked stunning. She's a very beautiful woman. But it was a much simpler dress. I had the problem when I got married, the style was so-called muffin dresses. Which yes, were, you know, that was horrible, wasn't it? I it mean, was a horrible. I actually, our mutual friend made me a dress because I could not find a single yes. wedding dress that was not in that style. It was just like that. That was May, May the 4th. 1942 that is just beautiful look at that i mean i can put it to the 40s because just notice the ladies standing on the side they're wearing hats and gloves yes and, you know, there was a certain period of time when you were not dressed properly if you didn't have hats and gloves mm. but the, the wedding dress is timeless as you say yes and and jacqueline's got a, a um wedding photo in there it's true it's absolutely beautiful and just the joy on the faces you know the big smiles mike are you there um yes oh maggie was saying, i was just about to mention the gloves and hats yes <laughs> sorry no crosstalk okay fabulous um and uh, the Kai Postman, is this 80s? Is oh, this yeah, 80s? I want to say 80s. Look at the, the head, uh, the hair, actually. It's the hair, <laughs> the hair yes. It's quite 80s, the perm. That's beautiful, yes. Um, oh, um, Lady Bell, I mean, so um, Napoleon um, conquered uh, Saint Damas in um, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure movie. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, I Another wonder if I... of history. <laughs> um, right. Uh, so that was 1990, right at the turn of the decade. Okay, yeah. no, just 1990. Well, that's a beautiful picture. It's just, uh, wedding pictures are just lovely, you know? They the, are, aren't they? <laughs> something. The, the funny thing is, um, I was actually, uh, I was really nervous on my wedding day, in fact, and I um, I found in my, our sort of official photograph, we didn't have a proper sort of official photographer, but someone... Uh, a friend of ours who was a professional photographer came and took the pictures. I didn't particularly like our official photograph. My favourite was the one where we didn't realise we were being photographed and we were pulling faces at each other. <laughs> That's um, quite funny. That's quite um, sweet. <laughs> it captured the fact that we were both, in fact, very young. Yeah. And um, we'd been doing the whole, you know, greeting the crowd and sort of fixed smiles. Oh, it's so lovely to see you. And it's, it was a very, very hot day. And we were both starting to get a little hot and a little tired. And we just turned to each other and pulled a face. And we both pulled faces at the same time. But someone just went click. It's just a really funny, <laughs> sort of joyful photograph. Um, but it, it wouldn't do on the wall as the, as the photograph. But I still prefer it above anything else um <laughs> all right so uh, 1985 um jacqueline that picture that's lovely stressing it is your your husband is uh, the groom is in all white the jacket is white as well and white tie that's lovely is that slightly more of a tradition in the u.s um over here it's um, i'm looking at the, the things that the groom's wearing here it tends to be morning suits so tails top yeah. hat and tails but the photo Jacqueline has posted, I can imagine that being a really good outfit if you get married somewhere really hot. Yeah. Because really, a, a black morning suit would be very hot, you know. Mm. Well, my... Yeah, that's not Philip's image. Philip said, my parents bought a house in 75, just before I was born. There was an awesome picture of my parents standing in front of their Cadillac 
um, El Dorado, my dad, wearing a pink salmon leisure suit. Oh, yes, that's <laughs> timeless, I'd like to say. But no, it definitely belongs to a particular time. Oh, Kai Postman, that's so sweet. That's a really sweet picture. 1953. And again, it looks, it's the hair, isn't it? It looks 50s. Yeah, let's sort of name that decade. Um, the funny thing oh, that's is, lovely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's lovely. And, even the sort and of it looks effect. a little bit artistic. It's as if it's been coloured in some way, in a really nice, mm. which is quite yeah. 50s. Yeah, it's lovely. Uh, we all once at a friend's 40th in this nice hotel. And it was, this hotel was quite near um, a, a Sikh a Sikh temple and so it was where all the, the Sikh couples had their wedding receptions and this couple had just they were standing outside the front door they were having their reception in a different part of the building and they looked stunning the man in a velvet turban and narrow jacket and the woman in this uh, sparkling sari all, all sort of glittery and uh, I mean they, they looked absolutely beautiful and my children were very little at the time and they were convinced that they were an Indian um, uh, that they were Indian royal family <laughs> they were convinced that they were they were a king and queen they, they did look so regal dressed like yeah. that Indian um, weddings are really big events. I mean, yeah. they, a standard wedding, they have hundreds of people and it yes. goes on for days. It goes on for days, yes. A friend of mine once, uh, quite recently went to well, one of um, one of our neighbours is Sikh and they went uh, went to the daughter's wedding and I think they were, they were gone the best part of a week. They said it was a wonderful celebration, but it did go on and on um, and different, you know, different groups of people and all of the rest. Um so I don't know how we got onto the subject of weddings, but hey, that's good. Oh, can I ask, in fact, on the subject of you know, celebrations and wonderful things, could I please ask for prayers? Um, some dear friends of mine, they've just had their seventh baby, little baby Jude, and uh, it's all big celebrations and their picture up of the, of the new baby. But the baby, uh, unfortunately, has become very, very ill with sepsis. And oh, we're, we're all a little bit worried. So... Could you please, please pray for baby Jude um, that he'll pull through? It's very, very frightening. And it's there's something so sad, you know, we're all celebrating the new baby and then him suddenly, suddenly getting ill like that. So please, please pray for baby Jude um, that he will make a full recovery. That would be just wonderful. He's um, it's baby number seven and the third son. So, um, you know, they're, and they're, they're, a, they're a wonderful family, very active in the sort of Catholic media ministry over here. So that would be just wonderful. OK, well, it's been quite a ride today, Sarah. Yes, it has, <laughs> as always. Um, lovely start to the week, Fiorella. Thank you. <laughs> so we've, been, we've talked about the word. Just, just to recap briefly before we have to um, vanish off air until tomorrow. The word of the year is riz. To have charm charisma to be flirtatious to have riz um which charm and charisma just like fiorella <laughs> yay yes i have riz apparently <laughs> I, I, think I, I lost that about 20 years ago i think it was it's all the early starts um <laughs> yes, yes, i sent someone a text message at quarter past four this morning <laughs> and got, got an astonished um, message back about three hours later. Um, oh, thank you, CRTO. Well, praying for baby Jude, Jacqueline, praying for Jude. Thank you. Let's just really storm heaven for this lovely, lovely, sweet little baby. Um, yes, we've also been talking about oh, it's anniversaries. Edith Cavell, Mary Queen of Scots. Now, Edith Cavell needs a film. 
Yes, but perhaps you should write the script, Fiorella. I'll write the script. If anyone can find a really good director, I'll write the screenplay for Edith Cavell, the great nursing heroine. It's got and all the. You select the actress as well, not a twenty-something who's liable to swoon at any moment. <laughs> I know who's going to be. It will be Anna Chancellor. She's the right age. Okay, good, good Anna, choice. Someone should Anna write Chancellor. Anna Chancellor. Yes. yes. There we are. I've got the I've got the main character. I could write that screenplay. Someone find me a director and preferably some funding. We'll have a film of Edith Cavell that's historically accurate and really exciting. There we go. Um, yes, uh, Louise saying God be with baby Jude and heal him. Thank you. And just just keep all the family family and under God's protection. All right, and I will put a photograph up of my new advent advent wreath once the new <laughs> candles are out to prove that I can do it and I can create a wreath that doesn't look drunk or ill and doesn't burn my house down. This will happen. Have you got an advent wreath? I should have asked. Um, my advent wreath has not made it down from the attic, so I've missed the first Sunday of Advent, shamefully, but... I'll retrieve it before next Sunday and hope that it hasn't had a similar fate to Maggie's. But I don't think so. I don't think it's actually been that hot here. So Let's face it, it never gets hot enough in Cambridge, does it? <laughs> um, mind you, I didn't think it got hot enough in, in uh, somewhere south of London, but it, it doesn't have to be that hot yeah. for it to be a bit uncomfortable. Anyway, we need to go. There is no crosstalk today, so we need to say bye-bye. Um, oh, hang on. Sorry. The King Dude. Reminder, we have a major announcement coming your way at 7.30am this morning. Ah, Aha, exciting. very exciting. So please stay tuned for that announcement. As always, Sarah, lovely to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Fiorella. And we'll chat again next week. It is now 24 minutes past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from a wet and chilly England with my lovely friend Sarah. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. And don't forget to write to me at fiorella at crusadechannel.com. The Crusader Stadium chat room is also open for your commentary at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. And stay tuned for a big announcement. I will now leave you with the King Dude. Mike Church, him, it goes on for days. Yes, a friend of mine once, uh, quite recently went to one of um, one of our neighbours' seek, and they went uh, went to the daughter's wedding. And I think they were they were gone the best part of a week. They said it was a wonderful celebration, but it did go on and on, um, and different you know different groups of people and all of the rest. Um, so I don't know how we got onto the subject of weddings, but. Hey, that's good. Oh, can I ask, in fact, on the subject of doing this, celebrations and wonderful things, could I please ask for prayers? Um, some dear friends of mine, they've just had their seventh baby, little baby Jude, and uh, it's all big celebrations and their picture up of the, of the new baby. But the baby, uh, unfortunately, has become very, very ill with sepsis, and oh, we're, we're all a little bit worried. So could you please, please pray for baby Jude? Um, that he'll pull through. It's very, very frightening, and it's there's something so sad. You know, we're all celebrating the new baby, and then him suddenly, suddenly getting ill like that. So please, please pray for baby Jude um, that he will make a full recovery. That would be just wonderful. He's um, it's baby number seven and the third son. So um, you know, they're, and they're, they're a they're a wonderful family, very active in the sort of Catholic media ministry over here. So that would be just wonderful. 
Okay, well, it's been quite a ride today, Sarah. Yes, it has, <laughs> as always. Um, lovely start to the week, Fiala. Thank you. <laughs> so we've been, we've talked about the word. Just just to recap briefly before we have to um, vanish off air until tomorrow. The word of the year is riz. To have charm, charisma, to be flirtatious, to have riz, um, which charm and charisma, just like Fiala. Yay. Yes, I have Riz, apparently. <laughs> I, I, think I, I lost that about 20 years ago, I think. It was, it's all the early starts. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, I sent someone a text message at quarter past four this morning. <laughs> and got, got an astonished um, message back about three hours later. Um, oh, thank you, CRTO. Well, praying for baby Jude, Jacqueline, praying for Jude. Thank you. Let's just really storm heaven for this lovely, lovely, sweet little baby. Um, yes, we've also been talking about oh, it's anniversaries. Edith Cavell, Mary Queen of Scots. Now, Edith Cavell needs a film. Yes, but perhaps you should write the script, Fiorella. I'll write the script. If anyone can find a really good director, I'll write the screenplay for Edith Cavell, the great nursing heroine. It's got and all the. You select the actress as well, not a 20 something who's liable to swoon at any moment. <laughs> I know who's going to be. It will be Anna Chancellor. She's the right age. Okay. Good, good Anna, choice. Someone should Anna write Chancellor. Anna Chancellor. Yes. There we are. I've got the I've got the main character. I could write that screenplay. Someone find me a director and preferably some funding. We'll have a film of Edith Cavell that's historically accurate and really exciting. There we go. Um, yes, uh, Louise saying God be with baby Jude and heal him. Thank you. And just just keep all the family family and under God's protection. All right, and I will put a photograph up of my new advent advent wreath once the new <laughs> candles are out to prove that I can do it and I can create a wreath that doesn't look drunk or ill and doesn't burn my house down. This will happen. Have you got an advent wreath? I should have asked. Um, my advent wreath has not made it down from the attic, so I've missed the first Sunday of Advent, shamefully, but... I'll retrieve it before next Sunday and hope that it hasn't had a similar fate to Maggie's. But I don't think so. I don't think it's actually been that hot here. So Let's face it, it never gets hot enough in Cambridge, does it? <laughs> um, mind you, I didn't think it got hot enough in, in uh, somewhere south of London, but it, it doesn't have to be that hot yeah. for it to be a bit uncomfortable. Anyway, we need to go. There is no crosstalk today, so we need to say bye-bye. Um, oh, hang on. Sorry. The King Dude. Reminder, we have a major announcement coming your way at 7.30am this morning. Ah, Aha, exciting. very exciting. So please stay tuned for that announcement. As always, Sarah, lovely to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Fiorella. And we'll chat again next week. It is now 24 minutes past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from a wet and chilly England with my lovely friend Sarah. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. And don't forget to write to me at fiorella at crusadechannel.com. The Crusader Stadium chat room is also open for your commentary at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. And stay tuned for a big announcement. I will now leave you with the King Dude. Mike Church himself. <laughs> <laughs>